0: Welcome to the UAlbany News Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll. In August, Argentina's Senate narrowly defeated a bill to legalize abortion. With me today is Barbara Sutton, an associate professor in UAlbany's Department of Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies. She spent the summer in Buenos Aires, tracking the abortions rights movement in Argentina. Barbara, tell us the remarkable story behind the bill that really galvanized activist groups throughout Latin America and pushed reproductive rights to the top of Argentina's legislative agenda.
1: Well, thank you, Sarah, for your interest in this issue. Um, Indeed, it was an eventful um, summer for me. It was winter, actually, in Argentina. And I was there uh, from June to August. I was conducting interviews with activists in the movement and also participating in many of the events um, that uh, had been taking place. Um, and it seems uh, that this feminist activism has, uh, and also broader women's um, and LGBTQ activism, has grown you know, during uh, the years. And this is all part of this remarkable story you're uh, referring to. Um, You know, in Argentina, uh, abortion uh, is defined as a crime in the penal code, um, and it carries uh, up to four years in prison except Mm -hmm. in the cases of danger to life or health or in cases of rape.
0: And that's today, that's right now. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. right
1: now, and you know, this is, um, what is interesting is that um, even though it is in the law, uh, what has been demonstrated is that the state has been unsuccessful in enforcing this law because each year, hundreds of thousands of abortions take place illegally in clandestine situations and creating, um, you know, dangers to um, health or life. Uh, and even in the cases um, where. You know, there's a permission to perform the abortions, it is very difficult to access those uh, legal abortions. And this is partly of what the movement has been trying to redress.
0: Well, can you give us a bit more historical context of where the movement was, say, five years ago, which can help explain
1: where we are now in this incredibly momentous time? Yeah, so I think we need perhaps to go a little earlier than uh, five years ago because you know you cannot understand um, this movement without also um, thinking about the context of democracy in Argentina and especially um, after years of of dictatorship and the movements that flourished um, you know after the democratic uh, transition among which you know, it's the women's movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for example, in the context of the Encuentros Nacionales de Mujeres, these are national women's meetings that take place since 1986. So the transition to democracy was uh, in 1983. and. Okay. You know, in that context, a lot of different movements flourished. Um, the campaign, uh, the National Campaign for Legal, Safe, and Free Abortion, um, which was launched in 2005, it operates at multiple levels. Um, and it, it really brings together hundreds of organizations, not just feminists or women's organizations, but labor unions, political parties, um, organizations of health uh, professionals, um, lawyers, you know people uh, c- kind of participating independently, human rights uh, groups. Um, so it has been very successful in terms of creating a grassroots uh, strategy operating on multiple levels like in the schools, in the universities, in institutions of health, mm-hmm. through the arts, um, and also advocating um, for an, a very expansive um, definition of this right, you know, Legal, safe, and free—free free meaning free of charge—which you okay. know, uh, it's more than um, just the right to choose. For example, it is also a question of human rights. It's a question of public health. It's a question of um, social justice. It's uh, you know, bodily rights, and it is a pragmatic issue, like I was saying before, because uh, even though it is criminalized, uh, abortion is done and in large numbers.
0: It sounds like it's also a, a bit of a class issue as well, because the, the idea of it being free, well, if it is not free, then it seems like only a select group of people would be able to have,
1: um, to be able to pay for an abortion. Yes, you know, how it is done is very much, um, you know, crisscrossed by economic situation for the mm-hmm. persons involved. So the ones who are more likely to risk their lives and health, in a clandestine abortion, are um, women, uh, you know, low-income women, women who are marginalized, you know, along multiple forms of uh, vulnerability.
0: Well, what about Argentina being? Argentina is predominantly a Roman Catholic country, correct? Yes. Um, so, how has this fact also complicated the debate about abortion? I
1: mean, it has complicated it, indeed. <laughs> Uh, And also, let's not forget, there's an Argentine pope, uh, which uh, also adds another layer of influence. Um, It hasn't been just the Catholic Church, you know, there's evangelical churches also that have been active organizing against um, abortion rights. Um, At the same time, I want to point out that um, uh, the Argentine state gives particular preeminence to um, the Catholic, the Roman Catholic um, Church. And um, in this context, um, is that one of the movements also that has gained momentum in you know in this um, rallying for uh, legal, safe, and free of charge uh, abortion has been the separation between church and state, um, and there has been also um, you know a movement in this context to to point out that you know, just because um, like someone is nominally Catholic, that, it, you know, that people who are in the rosters of the Catholic Church doesn't mean that they are religious or that they want to be there. So um, there's been, been this movement of apostasia or like a movement to uh, formally renounce to being <laughs> listed as Catholic. That's really interesting.
0: Now I want to hear a bit more about your time there this summer. Maybe some of your takeaways from your time on the streets of Buenos Aires at these protests and rallies. How did this trip deepen your understanding of the socio-political climate there?
1: So I was there for um, you know in August eight um, in the lead up to the Senate vote. I hadn't been there in June, which was when um, in the lower chamber the you know, the bill got half-approval. And and the ninth was when it was rejected. Yeah, so um, in both cases, there was inclement uh, weather, um, in both cases, massive numbers of people in the streets. Uh, I arrived on the eighth, um, you know, maybe at around one, and it was like a festival there, in terms of the numbers of groups and the and the energy and the body painting and the art and the chanting and the you know multiple arguments and strategies uh, performances you know that uh, activists were bringing um, and and there were you know speakers who were educating about the issue. Um, there were like. Uh, Main stages as well as like these tents um, where there ha- had been like all sorts of workshops and um, and people were just staying. It started like as the day progressed, it started raining. It got cold, and you know you could see like people with their umbrellas and just chanting um, and just you know holding the space. You know you really had to want to be there.
0: Yeah. The- it also is surprising me how there seems to be a lot of positive energy coming from these as in there, you know, it wasn't just a lot of people who were professing their anger and yelling,
1: but also people trying to educate. Yes, and I think, you know, it it goes from being um, like a stigmatized issue to something that now it can be talked about, that it can be talked about in public spaces, that things that were being silenced, but that perhaps people did know. Perhaps people did have um, a, a sister or a friend or someone in their families who had had abortions, and yet you know this cannot be talked about. Now there's this space, uh, mm-hmm. and there has been this space also for um, for uh, women who had had abortions to say, "I had an abortion." Um, Something that was also interesting, um, you know, the symbol of the the campaign, this uh, green uh, kerchief. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, see it in the news, but um, it became ubiqu- ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you could see like uh, young, you know, people like wearing the kerchief in their, you know, in their backpacks, in the subway, um, on, you know in the hair or mm-hmm. in, in many ways or just as part of the actions that um, you know, activists talk about this green tide because it looks like a green tide, right? Um, it's just like very massive presence. And this, you know, going back to the question, the issue that I was telling you about uh, of being stigmatized to something now can be talked about and then-
0: Something everyone's wearing yeah. and showing with pride. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, what might have made a difference in the vote because it was so close, even a few weeks before the vote, predictions had the law passing. So what do you think changed?
1: Well, I mean, it was going to be tough, you know, it was Mm -hmm. not going to be easy. Um, So uh, I think that in terms of the predictions, they varied uh, and, you know, in terms of levels of confidence, whether it was going to pass or not, I think... What would have made a difference is legislators um, paying attention to what's happening in their provinces, to the realities and the needs of, the, of their constituencies, particularly women. Um, it would have made a difference that they pay attention to this and not just to their religious convictions uh, or connections to you know uh, religious f- uh, faith or institutions. Hmm.
0: Well, in 2015, we saw the Ni Una Menos movement unfold in Argentina. So, what does the Me Too and the Yo Tambien movement look like in Argentina today? And has it made any difference in the fight to legalize abortion um, or perhaps any other organizations who are doing work with this issue?
1: I think um, the Ni Una Menos, um, which means uh, not one less, you know, referring to women. Um, you know, who have been victims of uh, violence and particularly the most extreme uh, femicide, feminicide. Um, This movement has been important uh, and has been important in terms of um, also um, inspiring um, people and women in particular to go out in the streets and to um, raise their awareness about uh, questions of violence uh, against women. But it makes really interesting connections with other forms of institutionalized uh, violence, with economic violence. Um, so in, at least in this context, that there is a link uh, also with abortion, because they are saying, you know, there is a violence in the criminalization of abortion. That women who are dying because of these clandestine abortions, this is not just a c- case of benign neglect or right. it is, you know, they are blaming the state, you know, as being responsible for this death. So it is a, um, it's a more expansive um, definition of violence, you know, the fact that they had, for example, uh, women's strike um, highlights these connections, you know, with broader issues that affect women. Um, and also, it you know, in um, creating uh, spaces where um, women's bodies and voices are like visible in the streets, occupying the space is a very stark indictment and contrast um, to um, the disposability of women's bodies and voices. You know, for example, through the killing of women. Hmm. Um, so. You know, this has been uh, an important movement. It has been also active participant in a lot of the actions um, that have taken place um, uh, in the lead up uh, to the vote on the um, abortion bill.
0: Okay. Now, what would you say is next for the abortions rights movement? Although it seems like the legal loss might have been a bit a big setback, you could also make the case that the fact that the bill went so far is a sign of hope for women in Argentina and Latin America. So, it's would you say Argentina is near a tipping point?
1: I think that you know this movement is not going away. That it is, you know, a lot has been gained. For example. Um, one of the organizations that emerged is Lesbians and Feminists for the Decriminalization of Abortion, uh, which is a group um, that opened a hotline providing information about how to perform abortions using a pharmaceutical called Misoprostol, which is available um, as a medication for other purposes, but that causes uterine contractions. So um, mm-hmm. it has been used um, to um, perform uh, abortions. Um, and another group, uh, which is called uh, Socorristas en Red, or it's a network of socorristas, which means uh, f- first responders, had also been doing accompaniments of people um, who need to have an abortion. Um, so both in terms of giving the information and then also providing the accompaniment, um, it, ha- it also uh, m- meant that some of the clandestine abortions have been done in safer uh, conditions, um, so I didn't um, want to forget to mention that because you know, as a, a movement that has multiple strategies, these uh, also have been as you know, important uh, strategies, um, you know, to to make um, rights like a reality, even in this um, in, in a context constrained by a, a law that um, defines these actions as a crime.
0: And interesting to hear how just how much collaboration takes place within these organizations and how all these different sectors come together um, for the movement beyond feminists or abortions rights activists specifically.
1: Yes, it has been a very uh, broad-based movement. And I think this is also one of the takeaways, like to see how um, this cause has been... Um, taken up by people and incorporated in their own um, spaces uh, and and what they know to do, you know. So for example, you have all sorts of um, collectives (laughs) emerging, Um, you know, some may seem uh, more obvious perhaps, like for example, like networks of uh, professionals of health uh, or, you know, lawyers who are advocating. Um, But there's also poets, there's, you know, there's journalists, there's a collective of actresses, um, you know, who are using the tools um, they know how to use, for example, to make um, short videos, you know, to document or to, you know, voice a message in support of the legalization and decriminalization of abortion. Um, So this also has been, like, something that that was interesting to me to see, like, the diversity of groups. Uh, And then also even how art was brought (laughs) in, you know, to be part of the movement and what added, like a lot of, um, you know, creative uh, and joyful energy and sometimes, you know, through poignant and moving stories as well. Um, But it definitely um, has brought up all sorts of organizations and um, there's a new level of understanding of the issue from multiple perspectives that these groups Broad and that enriches the movement.
0: Now, is your, um, can you share a little bit about the book you've been writing and how that might have, um, how your time in Argentina might have informed your book?
1: Yeah, so my book um, came out uh, this year. So I had been doing my research um, earlier. My my book um, is not on abortion per se. It's um, it's called "Surviving State Terror: Women's Testimonies of Repression and Resistance in Argentina," um, and it is um, about uh, you know the period of state terrorism and uh, dictatorship in Argentina and the testimonies of women who had been taken. To clandestine detention centers um, where people were being disappeared, tortured, and women experienced um, specific forms of um, sexual violence um, and you know and, and torture. Uh, and some of the the torments that they're experienced um, have to do with some of the issues that we are talking about in terms mm-hmm. of violence against women, for example. Um, you know, women uh, who are pregnant um, were tortured, um, their children stolen, and there were also cases of um, forced abortions. So it is, you know, in this context that I also make connections, um, you know, with the question of abortion today in the sense of the heavy weight that the notion of clandestinity has mm-hmm. in, um, you know, in my country of origin, uh, with Argentina.
0: Very neat. Barbara, thank you so much for sharing your work with us. Thank you.
1: Thank
0: you for listening to the Albany News Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah O'Carroll, and that was Barbara Sutton, an associate professor in UAlbany's Department of Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies. You can let us know what you thought of the episode by emailing us at mediarelations@albany.edu, albany.edu, and you can find us on Twitter at UAlbanyNews.